This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Point of Drew, we are back with a killer episode ahead. Got a fun one for you. As always, I got Barton here, both together, recording here in Austin. What's up, Barton? How's it going, man? What's going on, Z? Uh, it's going well. I'm happy to be back in the booth, um, putting down some uh, some NBA thoughts uh, on the finals game one for, uh, for all the truthers out there. I'm excited to be back. Definitely. I'm excited. We just had game one of the finals wrap up last night. Uh, an exciting game for the most part. The Suns pulled away at the end, but we've got a lot of thoughts, a lot of stuff to break down. What went well for both teams, what went wrong for the Bucks, uh, some adjustments we think need to be made in this series, and uh, I'm excited to kind of break it all down. So uh, we're gonna do things a little differently, getting weird on a Wednesday. We're saving Jersey Corner till the end today. We're pumped to go ahead and start talking about this finals matchup, so we're going straight into it now. Um, and with that said, the, the Suns take the win last night, a 118-105 victory in Phoenix, did it in front of a packed home court. Uh, before we get into all the details of the game, Barton, just give me your high-level thoughts on the game what'd you see immediately well man phoenix was hot that crowd was uh that was on that crowd was on fire uh the town was hot uh both literally and figuratively it was it was about 104 degrees i think so the uh a a little warm out there for anyone traveling but um man what a fun game i actually really enjoyed it um thought it was entertaining pretty much start to finish uh suns as you mentioned pulled away kind of at the end there but um, competitive game for the most part. You know, both teams I thought had a, a good mix of, of offense and defense throughout. Um, no no real apparent weaknesses necessarily. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. What'd you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think part of the reason that made this um, so fun was the matchup. Some new teams, some new faces in the NBA Finals. Uh, you know, no LeBron this year, no Steph Curry or KD. Those, those faces we've been so used to seeing. Um, over the past decade or longer in LeBron's case. Um, Finally not around this year. We've got Chris Paul in his first finals, even though he's 36 years old. Uh, We got the new kid on the block, Devin Booker, coming in, uh, really taking over the league. Giannis, um, you know, trying to add to his legacy already. You know, if he wins two NBA MVPs and an NBA Finals by age 26. Uh, That's some historic stuff. So some of those storylines are super fun, but the matchup itself was awesome. Uh, It was a pretty competitive game, like you mentioned, until the Suns kind of pulled away in the middle of that third quarter. But overall, I loved it. Had a really fun time watching it last night. It is fun um, seeing a few new faces. Uh, Giannis, CP3, as you mentioned, I'm super excited for him. Definitely the best story uh, of the finals. You mentioned Booker. He's really ascending. Um, But you can't forget about your guy, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, what a playoffs and what a game one. The guy is a a double-double machine. He seems to to always be above 70 75% efficiency. Um, How impressed with you have been been of him? I've been super impressed with Ayton. I mean, it was crazy just coming into this year and even throughout this season, um, he was still up and down. You know, he'd have just a, a random Tuesday night game where he'd put up 
uh, 25 and 20, look like a dominant center, and then come back out on a Thursday night, and it looked like he was completely lost out there, had no idea what position he was even playing, what jersey he was even wearing, just looked like he didn't belong. Um, and he, he had been so up and down like that, had had me, as well as a lot of other people, just confused on who this guy actually is as a player. Uh, but he's made no doubt of it this postseason that he is a force at the center position. His defense is at a you know plus level now, um, which is something we really hadn't even seen before this year's playoffs. Um, but his offense is right there too. He, he's knocking down uh, 80% of his shots from the field last night, finished the game with 22 points, was six for six from the free throw line, knocking down the easy ones, and then grabs 19 boards to go with it. That 22 and 19 stat line, super impressive from Aiden, a young guy like that. It's crazy to see him doing that. It's I, I would completely agree. It's been it's been awesome to watch um, him really ascend as as a player. Number one overall draft pick back in 2018. Same draft class as guys like Luca and Trey Young who have. Uh, had a lot of success, so you just wonder, hey, was that the right pick for Phoenix? And, uh, man, it's turning out to be he's been an unbelievable piece in this run. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, I just mentioned, like, his offensive game from scoring. He was 80% from the field, 100% from the free throw line. But he makes an even bigger impact because um, we know the Suns. The way this team likes to play offensively is that pick and roll. Getting the ball to their guards, getting it to, in Chris Paul's hands getting it in Booker's hands and letting Aiton come set that high screen, let those two guys get to their spots in the mid-range where they love to just pull up, where they you know manipulate the defense, can find those open guys in the corner or get to the rim if need be. But it all starts with that Aiton screen too. So Aiton does you know play such a large role in their offense as well. Um, you know he's been all over the place making a real difference in the series. But you know I mentioned that pick and roll. Uh, you know, tell me what you saw in that in that pick and roll last night with with the Suns offense. Man, our guy Aiden was absolutely sealing. Uh, whether it was it was Booker some, it was Chris Paul quite a bit, um, but that pick and roll was really working. Uh, Brooke Lopez was the had had the unfortunate um, circumstance of being caught up in that many many times and. He was getting cooked. It, it really makes you think of how much he'll be able to play moving forward in this series. I know he didn't really play towards the end of end of that game, so I don't know if that's a sign. But, um, yeah, that pick and roll is rolling. You know it's, it's definitely the primary um, part of their offense. That's the first move they're going to go to, that motion of um, Aiton coming out and, and letting one of their two best players t- handle the rock and make a decision. But, um, yeah, I thought it was sensational. What about you? Absolutely. I thought the exact same thing. I mean, this Suns offense is kind of designed to adjust that pick and roll offense to any scheme it matches up against. Um, there's really no way to play it. So we know the Bucks, the way they like to play it. Um, you know, usually they like having Drew Holiday on um, Chris Paul as that uh, high ball screen is coming. They like Drew Holiday chasing over that screen and having Brooke Lopez, who is one of the better drop defenders in the league, kind of drop under that screen. Um, give a little space but when it comes to Devin Booker and Chris Paul these are two of those guys that are different from anyone else in the fact that they live and thrive in that mid-range they aren't guys who take a super high volume um, or high percentage um, from three-point 
they don't always get to the rim and, and finish all that effectively, but they kill in the mid-range. And that's the exact opposite of what this Bucks defense is built for. The Bucks entire defensive strategy has been um, and was last night, let the mid-range get taken, let the other team shoot the mid-range. And that scheme simply does not work against this Suns offense. So uh, the Suns were able to, you know, really take advantage of that. They know that that's what the Bucks were, you know, typically trying to give in that offense. Um, so now it's going to be up to the Bucks to actually adjust, see if we can make any of those Bucks adjustments. But, um, you know, you did mention Brooke Lopez and his struggles. Um, and I do think that's a, a pretty valid thought of yours. Uh, Lopez, I'm not sure what to do with him because, like I mentioned, he truly is one of the better drop defenders in the at the center position mm-hmm. in the NBA. You think of, you know, Rudy Gobert is maybe being the best there. Um, but Brooke Lopez is is up there in that conversation as well. Um, but it just seems like those type of guys are getting played off the floor in these playoffs. Um, may just be a trend of the NBA. And I still believe in Brooke Lopez. He's still a good defender. And he's most likely the Bucks what third best offensive player he shot it well last night um it was just more of the defensive end he just couldn't cut it yeah i mean exactly and so you got to find that balance between him not thriving on the defensive end but also being a huge offensive threat that they need on the court so uh i'm glad i don't have uh budenholzer's job and have to make that kind of decision um but we know he'd <laughs> historically has not made the best coaching decisions and adjustments and schemes. So, uh, you know, he really does have something to to figure out with Lopez and how they're going to end up playing that uh, pick and roll defense. Yeah. He can't be, uh, he can't be pumped about being relied upon uh, in the spotlight here. Um, I guess he he did make the finals, but hopefully uh, it doesn't hurt him in the long run if getting exposed here. We'll see. Uh, we're rooting for you, Coach, but kind of. <laughs> um, but you mentioned uh, a lot of a lot of pick and roll um, for the Suns, and, and a focal point of that is is DeAndre Ayton. Um, he's been playing a lot, forty minutes, uh, which is almost the entire game, just about. Um, Dario Saric, really their their backup big man, goes out with a knee injury. It looked pretty bad, likely. Um, will not return. And so uh, what do you think the Suns can really do there? They need Aiden in the game from an anchor on defense. And like you mentioned, he's a big part of their offense. Um, you know, how are they going to uh, now supplement that with um, Saric gone? Yeah, definitely. And so uh, I did see a tweet today from uh, Shams that said that uh, Saric did tear his ACL and is obviously going to miss the rest of the uh, the postseason. And yeah, really tough Dario, break. Man. Uh, not only for the Suns, but just for Saric, man. You got to feel bad. Uh, he played an awesome role on this team all season. was a big reason they got to where they are, um, especially in the regular season. He was phenomenal, um, showed effort and you know flashes on the defensive end that we've never seen from him before. Uh, was killer in kind of that six-man role that he was playing. But for him to come in and then tear his ACL and like the first two minutes of his playing time in game one of the finals really sucks, man. So definitely hope he's able to, to rehab, get healthy. He looked pissed, man, um, walking off. But yeah. He just looked a, upset. You know he was what was on his mind is he was so close to getting a ring and, and just going out and partying in the uh, Mediterranean. Um, <laughs> exactly. But now he's got to stick around rehab. Uh, I'm sorry, Dario, man. That, that one stings. Definitely. Um, 
But with, with him being out for the rest of the postseason, the Suns do have some things to figure out now. So, like you mentioned, Aiton played 40 minutes last night. That is a lot of time uh, to be out on the court. But they're going to expect that same minute load from him going forward in this series. Uh, you probably expect him to be on the bench for about eight minutes total in every game. And it's going to be really interesting how Monty Williams and this Suns team decides to manage those minutes. Um, they have no real backup center. Frank Kaminsky played a little over three minutes last night, but it was clear that he is not a player you can rely on to be out there in an NBA Finals game. Uh, I mean, it's not like he was out there throwing the ball away, not knowing how to play basketball, but it was clear that he's not going to be uh, an effective player in this series who should or will see uh, much playing time going forward. So really that leaves you with a couple options and most likely means the Suns are going to have to go super small um, when Aiden is on the bench. So try some things with Jay Crowder at center. Um, you might have to play Cam Johnson or even Mikhail Bridges at center at times defensively. Have them, you know, guard, especially if uh, the Bucks are going small, not putting Lopez out on the court. You've got Giannis at center. Um, Jay Crowder can definitely handle those minutes. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, they can take turns rotating in on that defensive uh, assignment against Giannis. Um, so really, I think that's the only answer, but it is going to get tough. With uh, with that injury to Saric and Aiden already playing 40 minutes last night, we'll see how he manages that going forward. But definitely some uh, interesting decisions to see how they manage Aiden on the bench. Yeah, man, I, I really liked what I saw from Crowder uh, in the minutes he was on Giannis. Um, just physical, tough, knew how to play him. I think stripped him once or twice, and so uh, I, I think he's probably the guy I would I would put on him. Um, you know, more so than, than Johnson and Bridges, even though they're, they both are, have proven to be decent defenders. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Frank, Frank the Tank, go Scani's, But, yeah, man, he's, he's not really going to be an option um, in this one. So we will see what, uh, what Bud decides to do down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, like you said, Jay Crowder, he did play pretty well on Giannis. But I'd be interested to, to know your thoughts on really how Giannis played. I know going into the game, even up to an hour before the game, uh, we still had no idea if Giannis was going to even play. Uh, he's been managing that nasty hyperextension to his knee. Um, when, when that injury happened and you saw the slow-mo replay, I was thinking he was not even going to be walking for another month, mm -hmm. let alone playing at a super high level uh, only a week later. So what what'd you see from Giannis? How'd he look? Man, it was, it was a bit up and down, but I thought he came out uh, and looked pretty good. He was Early on, he was aggressive and, and pretty effective, um, not only scoring the ball, but really passing it, kind of running the offense, had, had some assists in the first half, and Looked pretty good. I mean, I don't. I don't think he played bad. He put up, I, I don't know, twenty and seventeen about. Um, so pretty decent stat line. Obviously, you're going to need more from your best player in the finals. But um, yeah, I thought he definitely faded down the stretch, but put in some good minutes. That knee looked pretty good. Um, really, the thing that kills me with him is the free throws, man. It's always going to be an issue. Um, you know, the free throw disparity in this game. Uh, the Suns went 25 for 26, which I don't know if you can expect them to do that every game. I think they're pretty good at free throws, maybe not that efficient, but um, the, the Bucks literally cannot 
do that uh, with Giannis and how many times he's going to have the ball and get fouled in, in, his, in his free throw uh, shooting percentage. And so that's going to be, a, I think, a metric to watch um, throughout the rest of this series is um, you know, w- with Giannis on the floor is just the, the free throw disparity there because the Suns, they're making them and they're going to keep shooting them and Bucks not doing it at the same clip. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head there. I mean, Giannis, overall, I thought he played really solid. Um, looked really good to start the game. He had a pretty dominant first quarter. Um, I think it was in the second quarter he had that unreal block, that chase yeah, chasing down. LeBron. Uh, yeah, definitely was giving me uh, some, some vibes of that LeBron 2016 Game 7 block. Uh, really kind of the exact same play, so... Uh, Giannis looked healthy. He was moving pretty well. Um, did end up kind of fading a little bit in the second half of the game. Just wasn't as much of a you know physically imposing force uh, as he was early on in the game. Uh, but just looking at the box score, and I don't always love looking at like single game plus minus. It doesn't always tell the full story of what happened in the game, but. The Bucks won the Giannis minutes. Mm-hmm. Giannis was a plus one for the game, meaning when Giannis was on the court, the Bucks were winning. Um, it just goes to show how important he really is. I think he finished the game only around um, like 34 minutes played, um, so almost a whole 10 minutes less than even like Chris Middleton played. Um, so we'll see how his his minutes load increases as the, the Bucks move forward, as he hopefully gets healthier and healthier. Uh, but in all, Giannis had a really solid game. Um, I think he finished with 20 points and 17 boards. So, uh, you know, not entirely what we expect from him, but in whole, just looking at his full game, definitely played well considering the circumstance. Yeah, I think he overachieved for sure. Um, did better than expected. Uh, one of his teammates, though, uh, goes by the name of Drew Wal- Drew Holiday, and he did not play better than expected. What did you see out of Drew? Drew was an absolute mess. Uh, really not good at all, and it's a disappointment because the Bucks really need him. Really need him to be, uh, you know, the guy that they brought in. This high-level defensive guard stopper who can also give you, you know, 24 points per game on the offensive side of the floor. Um, we got none of that from Drew Holiday last night. Um, you do kind of have to wonder even, like we mentioned, Giannis was pretty much a game-time decision. We didn't know until about 30 minutes before the game that Giannis was a go. Um, anything, watching those last two games of the Hawks series, uh, Drew clearly had a massive role on the offensive side of the ball, um, was kind of running the show, bringing the ball up. He and Middleton were kind of working off each other. You don't know if maybe a guy like Drew Holiday kind of gets in that mode, gets in that mindset going into game one, only to kind of be thrown off when Giannis gets, uh, you know, put back in the mix. Uh, You know, you go into a game, into a series thinking, all right, I'm going to be the same number two with Middleton, be kind of a a focal point of this offense, um, only to, to find out that actually Giannis is coming back and now your role has changed a little bit. Um, Yeah, it's a good point. You know, there, there could be some of that going on with Drew Holiday, but uh, in all, he did not give the Bucks what they need from him. Uh, I expect him to bounce back. He's clearly a, a really talented defensive player, but they need him to figure out that offensive game if they want to be, um, you know, even have a chance in this series. Yeah, man, the thing with Drew, 
at least for me, what I've noticed is the consistency is just a problem. Uh, kind of the same thing with you could say about Middleton as well. Um, and that's ultimately, I think, uh, going to really decide this series is I think you're going to get a lot from Giannis and Chris Paul than ones on each team. Um, but, you know, Booker and Aiton, they're, they're playing well now. They haven't always been, you know, all that consistent. So uh, the two and three guys for each team, for the Suns with Booker and Aiton and then with the Bucks with uh, Middleton and Holiday, you're going to need, I think, whichever two and three plays more consistent for the rest over the next, you know, whatever it is, four, five, six games. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, whatever team, whatever two and three does that, I think that's going to be the team who wins it. And so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, not cutting it so far for uh, for Middleton or Holiday. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, and, and even talking about, you know, guy number two, number three, um, last night Booker probably was Phoenix's number two option. Um, he still – he only finished the game eight of 21 from the field, one of eight from three – um, some uncharacteristically uncharacter- low numbers for Booker right there. Um, you know, still hit mid-20s scoring. Still overall had a really solid game. But you do expect him to, to be a little better going forward. And so if, if the Suns win a game by 13 and Booker has some uncharacteristically low uh, shooting numbers, uh, not a good sign for the Bucks at all. Um, probably really just means the Suns only have up to go from here, even after taking a 1-0 series lead. So uh, definitely saw some good things from Booker, but we'll be interested to know what you thought of, of any of the bench players in this series so far. I mean, we talked about Kaminsky not really showing up or, or you know being a guy who can throw out there. We did see some good minutes from Cam Johnson, uh, a couple big shots from Cam Payne. Uh, but even on the Bucks side, just interested to know what you thought of some of those bench players. Well, the Suns bench definitely playing a lot better than uh, than the Bucks bench. Obviously, you see a guy like Jeff Teague out there. I think he played close to ten minutes. And Jeff Teague, fine player um, in two thousand fifteen or fourteen, <laughs> uh, but not in two thousand twenty one. That's that's not the year for Jeff Teague in, in the finals. And so, um, pretty shocking that he's getting run uh, this late in the season. Um, you know, Bobby Portis, a guy who I really have grown to like, um, is not playing at a high level right now. Um, so the Bucks really got to, I mean, get this thing turned around, uh, especially because those top three, like I said, they got to play better because I don't think I don't expect a ton out of their bench. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, I mean, Bobby Portis was a complete no-show last night. Um, he really struggled, uh, especially on defense. Um, he cannot be a part of that pick and roll defensive scheme for the Bucks. Anytime he was getting singled out, um, you know they were finding whoever Bobby Portis was guarding on defense, and the Suns were having that man come set the screen for Booker or for Chris Paul just so they could get that switch. Um, you know, basically they were picking on Bobby Portis, and whenever he was out there, they were getting to their spots. Um, Booker, I think, had a couple and ones when Portis had switched on to him. Uh, they're getting all the way all the way to the rim against him. So just wasn't a good look overall for Portis. Um, and then he only added five points offensively. Uh, he did come in and have some really good minutes in the Atlanta series, but we've seen it before in this playoffs against Brooklyn where you basically just couldn't play Bobby Portis at all. And it looks like this may be one of those series where Portis is just not a guy you can have out on the court. Um, you mentioned Teague. 
again, he didn't do much that that uh, really proves it. You know, he should be out on the court. Um, but at the same time, the Bucks are almost just running out of bodies. Bryn Forbes, uh, you know, they need a shooting out there at times, but Bryn Forbes isn't really a defender who can lock down Chris Paul. He or, is dead or on. Another, uh, yeah. That ball does not touch the rim at all. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> he is a dead-eye shooter and really can give a, a shooting boost at times. Um, but it's just tough to, you know, have those guys out there who can't defend, um, like Teague, like Bryn Forbes, like Portis. Uh, so that box bench really needs to find a way to step up. Definitely uh, missing uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, uh, I think so. And, and I mean, he does seem like he would be that guy that they would have starting in this series alongside Drew Middleton to um, really be the defensive matchups for uh, Chris Paul and for uh, De- Devin Booker in this series. But without those guys, it just becomes too easy for these Suns guards to kind of uh, manipulate that defense, get the looks they, they want, and really that's kind of what led to Chris Paul dominating this third quarter and, um, you know, finding a way to pull the Suns ahead in that third quarter, and they never looked back from there. Yep. Well, yeah, that I think we covered a lot of ground, man. I mean, game one in the books. Um, any, th- any final thoughts you want to run through? Mm, not a whole lot of final thoughts. I mean, I – really am interested to see how Boonholzer, this Bucks team, adjusts. Um, they do have to figure out that pick-and-roll defense. And even if they figure it out, I still trust the Suns to, um, you know, figure out what the Bucks figured out, adjust to the adjustments, mm-hmm. um, because that offense is so good. Uh, but we'll see how they, how they move going forward. We'll see what they do with Brooke Lopez. We'll see how they manage Giannis's minutes. Because um, I do expect him to be playing closer to uh, you know forty minutes per game throughout the rest of the series, now that he is back and on the court. So we'll see what they do. Um, got a question for you: Through one game, who is your Finals MVP? Oh man, there's only one choice, and that's uh, that's Chris Paul um, running the show. Didn't didn't score in the first quarter, but um, started making some shots in the second, and then absolutely took over in the third. He, the Suns won the game in the third. Yeah, um, the Bucks came back there a little bit in the fourth, cut it to like seven maybe, but um, Suns were always able to keep him at uh, an arm's length. And uh, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. CP three. It's kind of a no brainer for me. I mean, I love what I saw it at Aiden, but uh, you know this team's not where they are without CP. I'm with you on that. He would be my pick as well. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in this series, but if the Suns win and if Chris Paul wins Finals MVP, what does that mean for his career? What, does that really change your opinion on Chris Paul, on his career, on the player he is? Or, uh, I don't know, just talk about that legacy. It would really mean for Chris Paul if he were to win that MVP. 1,000%. Um, you know the NBA. It's all about winning. Uh, it's all about rings. Um, and Chris Paul not even going to a finals through his career, even though he's kind of known as the point god, one of the best to ever do it at the point guard position. He hasn't won uh, on, on the biggest stage. And so um, he's seen all his peers win. He's seen Steph Curry take over the league. He plays the same position. So, you know, how can you really say, yeah, it, they play it differently, but ultimately they're, they're both point guards. And so, um, you know, you really wonder, hey, you know, Chris Paul's got to go out and prove it. Steph's accomplished more than him. Um, and, you know, he did it this year. And getting one in the way that he did it, too, I mean, by getting isolated, going to OKC for a year, um, you know, that was kind of a, 
a I feel like it's almost a karma year. He's got to you know go to the lowest of lows, play on that team, see what he did with them, like completely elevated in the way past expectations, and then um, catches a break, goes up and. Uh, gets paired up with his old his old guy Monty Williams and Aiton comes along uh, in a big way. Um, some of those younger guys like Bridges and, and Cam Johnson come along too. And I think it's all been mostly because of Chris Paul. This team's coalescing at the right time. They're built for this moment because of Chris Paul. And so um, definitely a legacy game changer for him, uh, without question. Yeah, I think so too. And and I think what kind of separates it for me is that Chris Paul. We know what he's done on the court. He is going to finish his career up there in, in points and assists, um, has all sorts of accolades from, you know, what's shown in the statistics. But what uh, can't be shown on paper is kind of his reputation that he's built as a guy who can come onto any team um, and just bring them to a new level. We saw it when he joined the Clippers, kind of getting that whole organization in shape. The Clippers were nowhere before Chris Paul showed up, really made that team relevant again. Then he goes to, um, you know, uh, Houston, makes that conference finals, doesn't get it done, but really they were probably just a Chris Paul hamstring away from possibly winning the finals. Um, goes to Oklahoma City, goes on an insane run last season um, that no one was expecting, getting uh, OKC into the playoffs and taking Houston seven games in the playoffs. And then this year going to the Suns, a team that, um, you know, didn't even make the playoffs last year, going to get the two seed this year. And if they win it and Chris Paul gets that finals MVP, I think that's the final stamp of approval that that reputation he's built up is legit. Um, it's something that can actually go down on paper as this is what he did. Um, so when people talk about that reputation, there's something to really back it up with other than just, uh, you know, playoff losses mm -hmm. and getting teams that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs into the playoffs. This is finally the one where it's, all right, he's on a decent team, but he took him to a whole new level, and that whole new level is a championship level. Um, so I think that's really awesome stuff from Chris Paul. Uh, I'm pumped to see him out there, and uh, really I'm pumped for his success so far in the series. Yeah, and, and the way he's been able to do it, um, by going to a team with, with young guys. I mean, aside from Jay Crowder, this is a young team, and Chris Paul is really guiding them along the way. Um, my question kind of for you, his buddy LeBron James is probably looking over there, and for years, uh, we get LeBrons in L.A. now that they can't really do much with that roster, but um, you know he's been, for years now, not wanting to play with these young guys. He wants to do it his way and uh, team up with uh, – you know, all these superstars that are, are, are pretty difficult to acquire in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, do you think he's looking around thinking, you know, man, maybe I went about it kind of the wrong way. Look how Chris did it. It's really working out. And I know it's a weird year. There's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of, um, you know, different qualifiers here. But um, do you think it's given any thoughts to LeBron on, on kind of how he should architect his career moving forward? No. Uh, I think LeBron is – happy with where he's at what he's done um he kind of it took him a couple of years but finally embraced that villain mentality in Miami and then once he came back and won in Cleveland I think all of it was forgiven and kind of just solidified LeBron as kind of untouchable he can do whatever he wants and do it his way from now on um he can play GM he can go team up with superstars 
he can ring Chase late in his career if he wants to. Uh, I, I don't think it has any impact on LeBron. I think at this point, he's probably just pumped to see his, his banana boat buddy uh, win in the finals. Yeah, that's probably right. Braun uh, definitely knows what he's been doing, uh, you know, being one of the best two or three players ever. So um, would agree with you there. Yeah, so uh, we can end on this. I got one last question for you. Game two, Thursday night, back in Phoenix. That crowd will be going nuts again as they were. What are you expecting from game two? Give me a, a quick prediction as well as a, a score prediction. Score prediction, wow. Um, well, I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's going to come down to the Bucks' big three. Really, they're two and three guys in Middleton and Holiday stepping up and, and playing better. Um, we've talked about it. The Bucks, their role players just aren't as good as, as what the Suns have. And so um, they're going to need their stars to carry them here. Um, and Chris Paul's on a roll. So based on what I saw in game one, I, I'm not picking against the Suns. I think that pick and roll is still going to be fluid. I think Aiton's ready. I think this team's ready. So um, I'm taking the Suns. We'll call it 109-106 Suns. It'll be a close one. Uh, I think they'll even be down at many points in this game, but um, I just think Chris Paul is going to be better late than, than Giannis, and uh, that'll be the difference. Yeah, I'm actually right with you. Uh, I think the Suns are holding home court in the series, which is exactly what they need to do. Um, I'm expecting the Suns to come out, play the exact same game, and uh, unfortunately, I'm just not sold that the Bucks are going to make the necessary adjustments to really get to where they need to be. Uh, I could see it being a super close first half again, and then the Suns kind of pulling away in the third. It just seems like that's kind of what the Suns do. Um, my final score, I'll go, um, uh, we'll say 115-108. Uh, so pretty similar score to... Uh, to game one, but a little bit closer. I think the Bucks do keep it close, have more of a realistic shot in the fourth quarter. Um, but, man, I think the Suns team is really legit. They are very good, and uh, I think they're going up 2-0 in the series. Yeah. So that that'll, we'll wrap it there. Um, game one in the books, uh, recording this um, July 7th on Wednesday. Uh, game two tomorrow night, Thursday, July 8th. Um, should be a fun one, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up on that next week. Definitely. We're going to catch up on that next week. Um, before we go, like we mentioned, we're going to do a quick jersey corner to wrap the episode rather than start the episode this week. Um, and so with that said, this is going to be jersey corner number 33. We will dive into it after a quick word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. All right, Z. Let's play a little game of fact or fiction. Let's do it. Fact or fiction. Shugs has the best bagels, rolls, and wraps south of the Big Apple. Ah, facts. That is correct. One for one. Off to a hot start. Fact or fiction. Shugs recently replaced Wheaties as the true breakfast of champions. <laughs> that sounds right to me. Fact. Correct again. He's heating up. Fact or fiction, Shug's has the best bagels in all of Texas. Oh, you already know that's big facts. Yes, that is right again, three for three. Shug's Bagels is in fact all of those things and more. And they'll be open all week serving up that ooey gooey goodness. 
Go check them out in Park City's Village near SMU campus and on social media at Shug's Bagels. Shug's Bagels, the bagel that Texas deserves. All right, Z, Jersey Corner number 33. Um, pretty good one, I'd say. I've been I've been taking first quite a bit. Um, we've been This one's a fun number. I'm sure we've got many of the same. So I'm going to give you the floor, um, kick things off. Who you have is honorable mentions for 33. Yeah, it's a super fun number, and especially a fun number for a, a basketball fan like myself. Um, I'm going to give you four names as honorable mentions. Three Hoopers uh, and Tony Dorsett. So you got to give a quick shout-out to Tony Dorsett. Um, he rocked 33 his, his whole career, I believe, um, and definitely deserves a shout-out for what he did on the football field. So shout-out to Tony Dorsett. But now on to the Hooper side of things. Three number 33 shout-outs. We're going to start with the New York Knick legend, Mr. Patrick Ewing. Uh, a lot of people say the best center to ever live that never won an NBA title. Uh, he was an 11-time NBA All-Star, uh, made several All-NBA first teams, six-time All-NBA second team, um, made several defensive um, NBA teams. Uh, he was the rookie of the year, uh, the year after he was drafted. I love the uh, conspiracy theories about the way he was drafted and uh, David Stern rigging the lottery so the Knicks won it to get Patrick Ewing. Um, definitely a legend in the sport, one of the best uh, players that, that was around in the 90s and now super fun to watch him coaching at Georgetown. Hope he... Uh, Big East champs. Yeah, I mean, he was having some success eight, this year. As an eight year. seed. Yeah, so. Got him into the tournament. Patrick Ewing. Definitely. Man. Super cool to see from him. Uh, another number 33. Uh, a guy that is too often thought of as just the best sidekick of all time and isn't enough talked about is one of the greatest players of all time, and that's Scottie Pippen. Um, he was much more than Jordan's number two. He truly was one of the greatest NBA players we've ever seen. Obviously, he's got those six rings. He's got seven uh, NBA All-Star selections, uh, three All-NBA first teams, uh, a few second teams, a few third teams, uh, a ton of All-NBA defensive teams. Um, I mean, he was so much more than just a number two guy. Uh, and, you know, he's been on a, a kind of a wild media tour lately saying some pretty insane things, but uh, I always like listening to Scottie Pippen talk when he's on the jump or, or talking on ESPN, um, but super awesome player. Uh, and then my last honorable mention uh, came down to two names, but this was the guy that I think uh, does not deserve the winner but is just going to be my, my very top honorable mention. That is the Boston Celtic great, the Larry Bird. Giving him uh, the honorable mention here rather than winner, and that was a tough one to do. We obviously know uh, legend Larry, everything he did, uh, three-time champ, uh, a couple of finals MVPs, um, won three M NBA MVPs, um, a ton of all-star selections, uh, probably the best Boston Celtic to ever live, to ever play, to put on that jersey. Um, you know, we think of the Lakers and the Celtics as kind of the two heralded franchises in the NBA. And, uh, you know, for Larry Bird to go down as the best Celtic of all time, pretty impressive. 
Uh, Bill Russell has a bit of an argument there, but I'm going with Bird. He deserves my last honorable mention spot there. So um, those are my guys, Dorsett, Ewing, Pippen, and Bird. Let's hear your honorable mentions. It's a hell of a number, man, I'm telling you. It is. Um, so a few honorable mentions. Uh, I'll rattle off a couple just to uh, get him out of the way. Larry Bird as well. Um, not much more to say. Three-time champ, three-time MVP. Uh, Larry Legend, I would, I would consider him a top five player of all time. So without question, deserves uh, an honorable mention. Um, you got two other guys, one by the name of Charles Tillman. Um, as you know, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, cornerback fan, and he was a, a longtime corner for the Bears, but um, really makes the list because of his nickname. Uh, they called him Charles Peanut Tillman, um, and the story behind it is uh, is actually pretty great. He earned that nickname because of his ability to punch the ball out. I mean, probably my favorite play in football is when a corner goes up and just punches the ball out, you know, risking their hand, wrist, everything, uh, even the tackle in a lot of cases, just to knock, knock that ball out. Um, and that became known as uh, the peanut punch when Tillman was playing. So a uh, well-earned nickname, um, all, all-timer, peanut. Uh, Shout-out Connor McCall on that one. Goes by peanut as well. Um, the other guy I want to shout out, uh, he's a longtime Oakland A, Jose Canseco. Um, yeah, notorious steroid user maybe, but uh, really getting a shout here because he's been in the headlines more than any of these other X number 33s lately, um, and, and really not for the best reasons. We saw him uh, freak out uh, about Logan Paul, wanted to fight him because his, his <laughs> daughter got uh, dumped, which was, which was unfortunate, but... Um, you know, that's what you get when you're hanging around Logan Paul. Uh, he got his ass beat by Billy Football uh, at Rough and Rowdy, which we all saw. Um, that was pretty hilarious. Not sure what Jose's doing uh, agreeing to that fight. Didn't look very in shape. Um, and then most recently, he, uh, he even sp- spelled his own name wrong in a tweet, uh, an advertising <laughs> tweet. So, um, <laughs> Jose Canseco, keep doing you, man. Um, keep staying on top. Keep staying relevant. Uh, and then the final honorable mention I have, I, I was going to put him as my winner, um, but I decided last second uh, I'm, not, I'm not going with him. And it's, it's another guy who's been uh, you know, in the news mentions lately. It's a guy named, by the name of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, re- recently, unimportant, but recently was on an episode of uh, Lil Dicky's TV show Dave uh, <laughs> in his new season. Pretty, pretty good. I would recommend any listeners to to go check it out. Um, weird episode, but good show. Uh, but Kareem made his uh, TV debut, um, at least for, for an FX show um, by a Jewish rapper. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his accolades speak for themselves. Uh, six-time champ, six-time MVP. Um, I would consider him probably a top three hooper of all time, kind of right behind probably um, Jordan and LeBron, in my opinion. So uh, big time, big time there for at number 33, but he is not my winner. Wow, I'm surprised he is not your winner because he is my winner. I've got Kareem as uh, the best to ever do it in that 33 thread. Um, you mentioned the six time NBA champion, six time MVP. Guess how many all stars Kareem made? 10. 19. 19. 19-time All-Star. He was a 10-time All-NBA first team. Um, and then was a 6-time second team. Uh, several defensive first teams. Several defensive second teams. He was a Rookie of the Year. 2-time scoring champ. Um, I think he had a couple rebounding champ um, accolades in there. Uh, but he did it all. And 
you know, we're talking about the Bucks in the finals this year. The last player to win uh, a championship for the Bucks was Kareem back in 71 when he won his first ring um, as a uh, Milwaukee Buck before he moved over to the Lakers. So um, Kareem, I, I definitely have him as the third greatest hooper of all time. I do put him right behind uh, MJ and LeBron, whatever order you want to have one and two. Um, it's fine with me, but I definitely have Kareem third. So um, I think he's one of the greatest, you know, just figures around the sport of basketball as well. Everything he does off the court, um, super cool stories from him, even back at UCLA getting coached by John Wooden. Um, Kareem, just a super awesome dude and clearly an amazing player and talent. So best to ever do it in 33. I'm going with Kareem. But man, I thought you were going to have that as your winner too. So super excited to hear who you've got here. Yeah, man, I, uh, I think it's well-deserved by Kareem, but um, I'm going with a, a longtime legend Hooper as well. He, uh, he's not a top three Hooper of all time like Kareem. He's not even a top five Hooper of all time like Larry Bird. Um, I'm going with Scottie Pippen. And, uh, and here's why I agree with you. Um, you know, he definitely gets discredited quite a bit as, as the wingman um, and, and it isn't truly deserved or really appreciated as the, the player he was, uh, the single player he was. But um, I think it's also underappreciated and undervalued what an asset he was to um, probably the best player of all time in Michael Jordan. And, you know, I think being the greatest wingman of all time um, is, is really for me what gets him uh, to that best it ever to wear 33 um, you know, Jordan didn't really even start winning. He couldn't get past the Pistons until until Scotty arrived. And, uh, you know, if, if Jordan's the GOAT, he's the number one guy, uh, NBA player ever. I think you can attribute a lot of his success uh, to Scotty Pippen. I don't think he's uh, nearly the player he is now um, without him. So uh, I'm going the greatest wingman to ever do it. Uh, he's my, my best to ever do it at 33, Scotty Pippen, uh, an icon. Man, bold pick. What a great pick. I love that. I love the reasoning behind it, too. Uh, Scottie Pippen, definitely a legend. Definitely uh, deserves a lot more praise than, than he sometimes gets. Um, so Scottie Pippen, the best to ever do it at 33 for you. I've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the best ever to wear it. We're in 33. Do you want to shout out the coolest to wear 33, Alonzo Mourning? Um but Zoe. yeah, he didn't quite make the shout out list. We got Kareem. We've got Pippin. That's going to wrap it for Jersey Corner. That is also going to wrap it for another Point of Drew episode. Um, man, these finals, we're in the middle of it. It's fun right now. we got a lot to look forward to, and we'll keep covering it. We'll be back soon. Appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, thanks all who listened, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Later.